Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. We talked about this song in those times of being in the presence of God. And, you know, when it comes to responding to God, for whatever reason, there are times that we feel uncomfortable to respond. But God requires a response every time we come into his presence. There is a respond of faith. There's a respond of, of praise. There's a respond of, of stepping out in obedience. There's always a response. And so when we come into a, a corporate time, there's always the necessity for a response. You know, when it comes to our corporate time together, again, uh, depending on your background, you might say, well, I'm not comfortable making noise or getting loud or responding. But there's something to be said for responding because it engages your spirit man, not just your natural man. It's not just your physical body opening up your mouth saying, well, praise the Lord or amen or something of that nature. And in fact, for that matter, a lot of times that's I'll, I'll give for a, a call. Can you say amen? And what I'm doing is I'm purposing to get the congregation to respond. And when we do that, what we're doing is we're training people to respond, not to a man, but respond to the voice of God that's speaking. And so you'll find oftentimes uh, when it comes to uh, just praise and worship, for instance, the, the, the Bible talks about lifting up holy hands. It's a way that God likes to be worshipped. Well, so there's times that it's appropriate to raise our hands. There's times that it's appropriate to, to, to get excited, to get exuberant. In fact, the Bible says that the word rejoice means to leap, to spin around, to brighten up. And so some people say, well, that's just those charismatic churches. No, it's not a charismatic church. It's just what God likes. And again, there's times that God says, I like it right about now. Right now would be a good time to rejoice. Amen? And so again, you might say, well, I'm not used to doing that. Well, you realize that worship in praise is not about what you like. It's about what God likes. Right? Well, that's just not me. I, I, I don't do it that way. Well, it's not about, again, what you like to do or are comfortable to do. It's like, God, what do you want me to do right about now? I mean, think about it concerning your, your spouse. Uh, my wife, she's out with the kids today, and, and I'll mention that in just a minute. But, uh, you know, there's times that my wife uh, likes me to respond. And uh, when she's asking me a question like, how was the dinner? Well, I've already known that I messed up because she's asking me for a response. And she, she's letting me know that she wanted a response, and I really should have responded. Hey, baby, this is really good. But just as my custom is, and it seems like I've got a hard head, it seems like I would learn by now. But I, when she asked me, goes, oh, it's good, babe. Well, me saying good is to her saying, oh, something's wrong. <laughs> and that's not the intent. So I've got to learn how to respond correctly. Hey, baby, that's great. It tasted awesome. You did a great job. Or if I come home from the, from the office and she's done something in the house, and, and obviously if it's your house, you know whether it's been picked up, tidied up, or something's been rearranged. And how many times my wife says, hey, did you notice? And I'm like, mm. Well, again, she's wanting a response. Well, she's not wanting me to respond and saying, well, I noticed that the grass got cut. Well, because she didn't cut the grass. So I got to have the right response, right? Oh, babe, the house looks awesome, right? Are you getting what I'm saying? And so when it comes into the, or when it comes to getting into the presence of God, there is a response that God is wanting from us. And sometimes it is just an expression of faith because it's outside of our comfort zone. In fact, for that matter, in church, you know, when the, when the minister's ministering, whether it's your pastor or somebody else for that matter, it's good to respond in saying, amen, or praise God, or that's good, or that's right, amen. Well, what does that do? That helps the minister minister better because what you do is you're responding from your heart and it causes him to minister better out of his heart. Does that make sense? And you say, well, what, is, what does that have to do with anything? It's just your spirit man responding in faith to what you're hearing. It's responding. 
And again, you're not responding to a man, but really the voice of God. Amen. So, you got that for free. All right? Can we respond? Say praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, are you ready to give tonight? Obviously, there's those that are out. So, young lady, you're going to have to give about five times more than you usually do. Did you ever give anything before? Never did? Okay, so you've got to give five times more than you usually do to make up the difference, okay? <laughs> All right. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll pray real quick, and then we'll jump right into our message. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to give tonight. God, we count it a privilege and an honor just to be in your presence, to be amongst your people. God, we thank you that, Lord, we're not moved by who's here or who's not here. We just thank you for the opportunity of being able to come into your presence. And we give you all the thanks that as we give tonight, it ministers to the needs of the Genesee Valley Church family, that it's able to go forth and do that which you've commissioned us to do. And, God, we call and we respond to just things that require finances. And we respond in faith by saying there is no lack. There is no deficiency. Every bill paid, everything met in Jesus' name. And we go over having more than enough because, God, you've called us to be a ministry not to just survive but to thrive and to be a blessing to others in the community around us. And so we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, that was the fastest offertory song I've ever heard. <laughs> it just got started and they turned it off. Amen. Oh, praise the Lord. Well, hey, guys, thanks for coming out tonight. Uh, obviously, Wednesday nights are just an opportunity for us to really just have a Bible study. And uh, we're trying to get some lights figured out in here. In fact, can, can those lights be brought up? They're real dim. That would help brighten it up. No? All right. Well, anyways, we're just trying to get things brighter in here so that you can see better. So forgive me if I get in the dark or you, I get lost in the shadows. I'm trying not to be. So anyways, can you see me better here? Yes? No? It's like, well, it's better when you couldn't see it. This way? This way? This way? All right. <laughs> okay. Anyways, thanks for coming tonight. Appreciate you being out tonight. It gives us an opportunity to really just have a Bible study. And uh, I said that my wife was, was gone tonight. She was actually going to continue to minister tonight what she was sharing last week, but the kids are getting ready to start school, and uh, there's a lot of transition that's taking place in our house. We've got a, a daughter that's getting ready to go into middle school, and so it's a brand new school for her uh, this year. Uh, we've got a, a five-year-old that's going into kindergarten. He's been in preschool for the last three years, uh, but this is a big thing for him because he's had half day, uh, every other day kind of thing, uh, and so now it's all day, every day. And so big transition. And then obviously my middle daughter, uh, she's going to be going to school for the first time without her big sister being around. So there's a lot of transition going. And uh, they have open house tonight or orientation, whatever it is. And so from like 6 to 9 o'clock, they've got things that they're doing at the schools. And my wife is going from one school to the next school. into wood. So it's a, a lot of juggling. So I'm pinch hitting for her. And we're going to be talking about prayer tonight, just uh, uh, continuing along with the theme And if you have your Bibles tonight, go ahead and turn to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. And we're going to bounce around just a little bit here, reading a couple different verses. One of the things that we have recognized, and you realize in the life of a church, you purpose to strategize to do some different things, you know, purposing to reach the lost, purposing to grow the body of Christ, purposing to help connect people with uh, their passions and the purpose that God has has placed on their life and ministries that they can get invested and involved with. Uh, But then again, when you're trying to juggle all those things, it's easy to let some things fall through the cracks. And one of the things that we have really just... uh, Well, again, there's a number of things that you could address. But one of the things that we just really want to be intentional about is being a church that reaches the lost. And the thing about it is is that if you 
uh, go too long without being intentional about reaching people. You just get satisfied, fat and happy, and you just sit in a church seat coming to church from week to week, and it's all about you, and it's not anything about reaching people. And obviously, God needs us. We are the body of Christ, and we need to be the ones that are reaching people. The, the local church is the hope of the world. And some would say, well, I thought Jesus was the hope of the world. No, Jesus is the answer. But the church is the hope. Because without the church, Jesus cannot reach or be the answer to people. That means that the body of Christ needs there to be individuals that will reach people and share the gospel. In fact, uh, we have uh, several friends over uh, in the Middle East that are ministering uh, to those that are Muslim uh, and, and just loving on those people. And we're hearing time and time again that there are visitations from Jesus to those that are uh, of the Muslim faith. They are having visitations from Jesus and Jesus is showing up and talking to them and people are getting saved by the hundreds of thousands. It's, there's a revival that's going on over in the Middle East But the thing that they said, even though there are those that are having visitations by Jesus, they still need to go to the church to have the gospel preached to them. It's interesting that Jesus is connecting the local church to get them plugged in for the sake of, again, experiencing Jesus on a first-hand basis, but then also growing in that faith. And so we, the local church, really have to purpose to be a church that's about the lost. Or like I said, we'll just get fat and happy thinking, well, kumbaya, God is good and God's blessed me. Well, the reason that he's blessed you is to be a blessing. So concerning prayer and concerning just having a heart for the lost, let's look over here in James chapter 5. James chapter 5, starting in verse 1, it says, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that, uh, that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupt And your garments are moth-eaten, your gold and your silver are corroded, and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat you or eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasures in the last days. Everybody say, in the last days. So he's making a distinction here. He's saying there's things that people have lost sight of, and you're especially going to see these kind of things In the last days. Well, you've heard that said before for decades. We're in the last days. Jesus is coming soon. Everybody's looking for him. And there's been those that said Jesus is coming this year. And then it's never happened. Well, Jesus is coming next year. Well, if he didn't come last year or come when you thought that he was coming. Or you thought that it was the last days. Well, I've got news for you. If that wasn't, then that means that we are in the last of the last days today. We're closer than we've ever been before and the signs of the time are upon us and Jesus is at hand. We are in the last days. When is Jesus coming? I don't know, but I know it's soon. Very soon. You know, the Bible says that in the last days it will return back to the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. And we've been saying that for the last several decades. It's like Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, you can't say that anymore. It's not like Sodom and Gomorrah. We have become Sodom and Gomorrah. That is the culture and the the, the, uh, environment that we live in this world today. So we are in the last days. Then in verse 4 it says, Indeed the wages of the laborers who mowed your field, which you kept back by fraud, cry out, and the cries of the reapers have reached the ear of the Lord of the Sabbath. Then if we look at verse, if we drop down to verse 7. Again, we're just going to skip a couple verses for the sake of time. Drop down to verse 7. It says, therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. So he just told us that you're in the last days. He says, now, even though you're in the last days, be patient until the coming of the Lord. Speaking of Jesus' coming. See how the farmers wait For the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rain. You also be patient, 
Establish your heart for the coming of the Lord is at hand. A third time he said, it's at hand. The coming of the Lord is upon us. Verse 9, do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. So a fourth time, he said, Jesus is standing at the door. Well, what are you standing at the door for? Because he's getting ready to open it up. He's ready to come. How many of you can sense that in your heart, that the times where Jesus is coming very soon? Now, I I found myself saying, you know, Jesus, you can come anytime. I'm ready. And I am. And I'd sure love to raise my family in heaven than down here. I mean, come, t- come today. Come after I get done preaching. Let's, 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 come now, Lord. I don't care. But I can also realize that when you start thinking that way, it's real easy just to get tired with life and say, man, come on, Jesus. Well, I don't want to get tired and just have a mentality of saying, I'm ready to go. I want to have a mentality, God, I'm doing everything that you've commissioned me to do to reach people until you come. All right, if we go down to verse 16. He says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Verse 17, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, meaning he was human just like you and me. And he prayed earnestly or fervently that it would not rain. And it did not rain, for, rain on the land for three years and six months. And then he prayed again. And the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. All right, so let's look at a few things there. In regards to Jesus, what is he waiting for? If we said that Jesus is standing at the door, the coming of the Lord is close at hand, it's in the last days, what is he waiting for? Well, the scripture told us right there, what Jesus is waiting for is the precious fruit of the earth. The fruit are people like you and me that have come to know Jesus. But you realize there is a whole lot more people that have not met or come into a relationship with Jesus yet. And for us, when we start ministering along those lines, we we start thinking about our families. We start thinking maybe about our our city, our our county, our state, our, our nation. And it's real easy for us to have this intellect or mentality of our surroundings or the United States for that matter. But notice what he said. He's waiting for the precious harvest or the fruit of the earth. So he's waiting for those around the world to come into a saving knowledge and become like you and me that have received salvation. He's waiting for the fruit to come in. And so if he hasn't came yet, if the time is at hand, that tells us that there is still fruit that is to be had. There's people that still need to know Jesus. He's just waiting for people to hear. And God would be an unjust God to come before every person ever had an opportunity. Well, once again, we get so fat and happy in our comfortable lives, living our lives from day to day, maybe getting in the rut of life, not realizing that there are people that are less fortunate than us. There are people that are living in poverty, going to hell. Now, you've got to make a distinction there. They could be richer than any man on the earth. Yet not have Jesus, they are the poorest individual. And the Bible says that God's waiting for the fruit to be had. He's waiting for the harvest to be taken. Well, again, there has to be those that are harvesters. Remember he said there were those that planted and they didn't get their harvest. And it says there are the reapers that their cries have heard or have been heard by God. Well, there must be laborers, 
harvesters, reapers that are going out and being intentional to reach the lost or bring in the fruit to to the barn, if you will, or into the family of God. Jesus said that he'll make us to become fishers of men. I said, he said, I will make you to become fishers of men. I realize that uh, many of us say, well, I'm not that kind of individual. I'm not that kind of individual that likes to go out there and tell people about Jesus. I'm I'm not a real big soul winner. Well, you realize there's a whole lot of ways to bait a hook to catch different fish. So it doesn't always have to look a certain way. In fact, for that matter, if you, any, any fishermen's in here, you like to fish? Got one? I think I talked to Jordan. I think Jordan says, I hate fishing. Go sit out there and just sit in the sun and bake like a potato. He said, I don't, I don't like it. Well, you realize there are different ways to catch different kinds of fish. You cannot use the same kind of bait for every kind of fish, right? Some uh, like uh, uh, spinner baits. Some like flashy, shiny spoons. Some like uh, uh, dough balls. Some like uh, chicken liver. Some like slimy worms. Some like salmon eggs, like if he was to go fly fishing. See, there's all kinds of bait that God uses to reach the fish. Well, you might be a flashy spinner. And what I mean by that is that you might be a little flashier, a little bit more of a high society. And therefore, you have the influence to reach somebody of a higher caliber. Well, I know for us in the church, that just bends us the wrong way as though, well, yeah, they're just, they're just thinking they're all that and they're a bag of chips. No, listen, there has to be people of influence, people of wealth to reach the people of the wealth. And then there are, maybe you're a person that you're, you're uh, Maybe maybe you're a slimy worm. I don't know what you are. <laughs> maybe you're a piece of liver. I don't know. But God uses our unique abilities, our personalities, to reach different people. We get bent out of shape when it comes to churches because church don't fit the box or the mold that we once knew. But you realize God needs different types of churches to reach different kinds of people. Right? There are certain kinds of churches that their focus is just to reach the believers. And therefore, everything about their church revolves around believer-driven type church services. And then there's other churches that maybe do it a little bit different way. Maybe there's churches that they reach those that are impoverished, the, 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 the people that struggle in life. Again, they have unique giftings and callings. Um. We're coming into the time of year, if you, if you noticed, that we're coming into harvest time, aren't we? Meaning that there's a lot of fields that have been planted, and we're starting to get into the season where it's harvest time. Now, we live out by Clio, but we're kind of uh, out in the country, and so we're surrounded by a lot of fields, and you know they'll plant corn, they'll plant soybeans and uh, uh, sh- uh, sugar beets, is that what you call them? Sugar beets, I think they're called. And uh, so the harvest time is coming real soon. And so just about where I live, like I said, there's a lot of farmland and a lot of farmers where I'm at. And just a few miles around the corner, there is a, a plot of land with several acres that is owned by Pioneer Sugar. And so when it comes into the harvest time, all the farmers harvest their sugar beets and they take them and they dump them there. But when you think about it, when it comes into harvest season, it brings a community to attention for one focus, the focus of the harvest. There are those that get together and and their focus is to work on the equipment. That's their job. There are those that uh, will drive trucks, those that drive combines. There are those that work the elevators. There are those that uh, work at John Deere there in Birch Run. That's, again, just around the corner from where we're at. Well, you know that those guys in John Deere, uh, those mechanics, uh, they're going to be working a whole lot more. They're getting ready for harvest season because during this time, I'm sure there's a whole lot more things that break down. 
restaurants start to adjust schedules because of the farming season. You know, farmers get up early, go get a cup of coffee, whatever it might be. Not everybody does the exact same job, but it arrests the attention of a community because it's harvest time, right? And when it's harvest time, people go to work. It's not just business as usual. I mean, it's like sun up to sundown because there is a window of opportunity. There is a season by which the harvest is ready and they go into work. So in other words, things begin to take on a means of priority. Well, Jesus said, or we saw there in James, Jesus is close at hand. The time is upon us. So therefore, he says, it's harvest time. It's time to reap the precious fruit of the earth, but there needs to be harvesters. Amen. Are you tracking with me? Amen. So what are harvesters? Or Excuse me. What is the harvest? Obviously, harvest is souls. It's people that need Jesus. All right. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20, we'll start in verse 1. It says, For the kingdom of God is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for the vineyard or for the fields. Now when he had agreed with the laborers for the denarius or the monies or the wages of a day, he sent them into the vineyards or into the fields And he went out about the third hour and saw another standing idol in the marketplace. And he said to them, you also go into the fields and whatever is right, I'll give to you. So they went. Again, he went out about the sixth hour and then the ninth hour and did likewise. And then about the eleventh hour. Do you know what it means, the eleventh hour? It means it's the last hour. In the church world, we are in the 11th hour. He went out into the 11th hour and found others standing idle. And he said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyards or the fields and whatever is right, you will receive. So notice what the Bible says here. The Bible says that they were simply standing idle. How much of the church world is just standing idle? Not doing anything. A lot. We'll come back to that in just a moment. But notice what they said. No one has sent us. Now turn to Romans. Romans chapter 10. Now I know I'm having you flip back and forth in your Bibles. But this is Wednesday night, so we're growing and learning how to use our Bibles more efficiently. Romans chapter 10, let's look in verse 13. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. Well, it would help if you'd be in Romans. 1 Corinthians won't read the same way. Let me get to chapter 10 of Romans. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. He says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved or receive salvation. How then shall they call on him who they've not believed? And how shall they believe on him in whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? So, what is it to be sent? It is to be sent to share the good news Of the gospel. Every single person. Live a life of being sent. We go to work. We go to families. We go to friends. We go to the marketplace. Everywhere we go. We are being sent. But too often times. We are being idle. Not being aware of the time, not being aware of what God has commissioned us to do. Well, I'm just not one of those people that like to preach. 
Well, once again, you don't have to be weird about things, but if we have or give place to God to give us opportunities, he'll open the door, right? He says, how is it that they hear? How is it that they receive and believe? They've got to have somebody that's sent to them. You know, it's not by accident that you have the family that you do. You might have grumbled and complained and said, Dear God, couldn't you have given me a better family? It would have been a whole lot easier if I was born in that family rather than the one that I'm in. But it's not by chance that God has placed you to be an influencer in the family that you have. And you might say, God, I don't want, they go to hell for all I care. No, they still need Jesus. Right? And therefore, if we'll purpose to allow God to work on our heart, we'll purpose to love. It don't mean you have to like them, but God can open up the door. Right? Okay, so how will they hear? Unless somebody be sent. They cannot be saved until they hear. And there are still people that have not heard the good news of the gospel. All right, let's go to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. There's several things that we're tying together here to help us see the time that we're living in. Now, I know we said that this is about prayer, and you'll see how this ties in in just a moment. Luke chapter 10, in verse 1. It says, After these things the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city, and place where he himself was about to go. Now notice what he said there. He sent them there to the place that he was about to go. All right, verse 2. Then he said to them, The harvest truly is great or plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So, why is there so much fruit? Why is there harvest that needs to be harvested? Because there's not a whole lot of harvesters or reapers or people that are going out to get the precious fruit of the earth. But notice he says, pray that they be sent. Now, we just saw there in Romans... How can they call on the Lord unless they've heard? How can they hear unless they believe? How can they believe unless somebody has been sent to them? Jesus said, start praying for laborers to go into the harvest field because the harvest is ready. But we also just saw that there are those that are standing idle. Well, why are they standing idle? Because people just get real busy about life. They get busy about running kids here and running kids there, getting busy about this and busy about that. And God doesn't have any problems with us having things that we're doing. But he says, the time is at hand. This is the hour. I'm standing at the door. The harvest is ready. I need people to go and reach those that are the precious fruit of the earth. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. And I need somebody to go. And so what do we do? We start praying for laborers. What do you realize when you start praying for laborers? You're the first person that becomes part of that prayer. It's so easy for us to say, God, send them. Come on, God. Well, I'm believing that God is sending people that have such a passion in their heart to reach people. Because there are those that have a grace and an anointing on their life, and that's really their flow and their ministry of what they like. But at the same time, my heart is that God will light us up Put a passion in our heart to reach people. And here's the thing. The Bible said that Jesus was moved with compassion when he saw the people. Do you remember when it comes to Moses? In fact, if you'll ever do a study, look at how many times God said to Moses, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. 
When we start praying for laborers, God's going to begin to open your eyes to see people differently. And don't be surprised that if we begin to pray that way, that people start to move your heart. You start seeing people in the grocery store differently. You may not even be at that place yet. You're thinking, dear God, I'm not going to go talk to him about Jesus yet. I can't do that. I'm afraid to do that. That's just not me. But something starts stirring on the inside. And we keep praying for laborers, praying for laborers, praying for laborers. And all of a sudden, this something keeps working on the inside to the point where we just can't sit idle anymore because God needs the precious fruit of the earth. I've shared this story with you before, and maybe some of you that are here, maybe all of you that are here haven't heard this story before. But there was a a friend of mine in Bible college, and he shared this story. He said, uh, it was about his aunt. He, he, he really loved his, his aunt. She was a big influence on his life uh, concerning just his walk with God and just going to Bible school. And he said that she was really a strong woman of faith. And she was in the grocery store one day, and she was over in the produce aisle, and she was kind of squeezing the tomatoes. And this little boy came over to her, and he tugged on her, and he says, he says, how do you do that? And she says, well, I'm just... You know, seeing which ones are firm, if they're real soft, then that means they're too ripe. If they're a little firm, then that means I can take them home and they'll, they'll still have some longevity or they'll last. And he says, no, I'm not talking about that. He says, you, how do you glow? He says, you're glowing. And she started laughing. She goes, oh, she said, you know, that's just Jesus. She says, I just love Jesus, and so that's what you're seeing. He's like, oh, okay. So he walked off. Well, so then she's going and doing her thing, and she gets her groceries, and she gets ready to go to the checkout aisle, and as she gets up to the checkout counter, that boy with his mother are right in front of her, and the little boy is pulling on his mom's uh, uh, shirt and saying, Mom, that's the lady. That's the lady. And so the mother turns around and she says, Oh, I'm sorry. She goes, You know, my little boy, he was saying that he saw you over there, and she said, uh, she goes, oh, yes, I remember. Yeah, I had the conversation over there with him. This is not a problem. And then in the midst of that conversation, this woman, this aunt, says, hey. She said, do you have breast cancer by chance? And the woman got a surprised look on her face, and she says, yes, I do. She goes, how did you know? She said, the Lord showed it to me. She said, do you mind if I pray for you? She said, I, pr- I believe that if I pray right now that that tumor is going to disappear, that God's going to heal you right now. She goes, would you mind if I prayed for you? She said, no, not at all. So she prayed for her right there in the checkout line of the grocery store. Now that takes a lot of courage, doesn't it? For some of us, I mean, we, we have a hard time praying out loud at the dinner table. Or even out at the restaurant. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, for my food. Amen. Just because we're bashful. But she's praying for this woman in the aisle, in the checkout counter. And she said, Amen. Well, in the midst of praying for her, the woman checked her breast, felt there, and it was gone. Well, she starts weeping. And she goes, Thank you so much. And so just in the midst of conversation, they exchanged numbers. The woman went home and told her husband what had happened. Now, her husband was of a background of faith, but because of his wife having cancer, he got angry at God because nothing was happening, and they were saying that it was terminal. She got home, showed her husband, he repented before God, and the whole family got restored back into a relationship with God. Simply because a woman stepped out and dared to believe to be used by God. Now you might think that's pretty wild. Well, I've seen too much for myself firsthand to know that God's that kind of a God. Why? Because there's fruit that God is looking for to harvest and he's only looking for laborers and he says to us he says pray for the laborers amen pray for the laborers so what do we do concerning the harvest 
the first thing that we must do is start praying. Because he said, prayer precedes the harvest. We talk about church growth. We talk about reaching the lost. But if we're not praying for the harvest, we've got it backwards. We've got to begin to be people that will pray for the harvest rather than simply standing idle. Can you say amen? So, people, when they go into the harvest fields, they have to be prayed in. And when you pray, what you're doing is you're allowing God to hook up with your prayers to send. And just as I said, it just might be you that is being sent. I found it interesting when I thought about that scripture where it says, where God said to Moses, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. And it really dawned on me that the era that we're living in has really been strategic in the end time harvest. God said to Moses, lift up your eyes. What do most people do now? Right? I'm guilty. They've told us that people have a very difficult time socially socializing with people because everything is about a phone. I text you. It's real brief conversation. It's superficial. And people have a hard time interacting anymore face-to-face with people. And I mean, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I thought, dear God, technology is good, but the devil always runs in the ditch whatever is good. And he's created a culture and a society that can't connect face-to-face. And if we can't connect face-to-face, how do we ever expect to reach the harvest? Amen? All right. James chapter 5 once again. Let's turn there. I'm almost done. Romans chapter, excuse me, James chapter 5. In verse 7, once again, notice what he says. He says, therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives, it receives the early and the latter rain. It receives the early and the latter rain. Well, why is the early and the latter rain significant when it comes into harvest? Did you ever notice in the springtime, it rains? Why does it rain? Because it's preparing the field and the seed to begin to grow. And at the latter end or the latter rain is to help the fruit to come to fruition or to maturity. The former and the latter rain. Now notice what it said here in verse 17 and 18. Elijah was a man just like us. He made mistakes. He had issues just like you and I did. He says, but he prayed earnestly and fervently that it would not rain and it didn't rain for three years and six months. And then he prayed again and the heavens gave rain and the earth did what? Produced its fruit. How did fruit come out of the earth? By prayer. See, prayer creates or gets the ground ready. If you remember, Paul said, Apollos planted, or or I planted and Apollos watered. You remember that? There is a former and a latter. So there's seed that is always going out from God. There may have been seed that you have planted in the life of a son or a daughter, a grandchild, aunt, uncle, friend, whoever it might be. But as we continue to pray, rain comes to water the seed and there's coming a time when it's time to reap the harvest. All right, now let me just finalize with this or finish up with this. Turn, if you will, to Hosea. Hosea. Hosea chapter 6. 
it's Hosea or what one is it? Maybe I wrote that down wrong. Let me see if I got it here in my phone real quick because I was looking at it earlier. Come on, there it is. What verse is it that I want? I can't remember. I must have written it down wrong. But it says, pray, and when you pray, it says that God will come as rain. So what are we doing? When we pray for the harvest... We're praying for the rain, but what we're really doing is we're praying for God to show up. And if you remember, Jesus says, I'm sending you to the place that I'm getting ready to go. So God's already preparing. The Holy Spirit's already working. And as we begin to pray, we are in the last of the last of the last days. And so, as I've said to you before, these nights that we come together and pray, Saturday mornings, it starts the 9th of September. We are starting corporate prayer, church prayer, only for one hour. We're going to be in and we're going to be out. What are we going to do? We're going to be praying for the harvest, praying for the rain. And that's going to be real challenging for people because they're not accustomed to doing that. We've not set that as a culture within our church. And so it's going to be really slow going. But I'm trusting that God will get a hold of our hearts. That as we begin to pray for labors, people will begin to stir something on the inside. And they'll become a part of the process. And become harvesters. To get the fruit. Because the only way that the harvest can and will come. Is if we pray. If we don't, all we're going to do is come together as a church body and be a group of believers that says, wasn't that great to come together? But we just may stand before the Lord and He says, what have you done? You're coming in, but it's hard to say good and faithful servant because I don't know that you've done anything to bring in the fruit. But we're all called to be harvesters. Amen? Amen. So, we didn't get a chance to pray tonight. But hopefully, it stirs your heart to pray. To have confidence. Again, maybe it's the family member. Maybe it's that person that you want to come into the house of the Lord. To come to know Jesus. Start praying. And trust that the rain is falling. That the presence of God is is showing up and that they will respond to the love of God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for tonight. I thank you that you're challenging our hearts to be prayers, to pray for the harvest, to pray for those that need you. And God, we pray for labors, but God, we also say send us. Give us confidence. Give us boldness. Anoint us, Father, to go into the highways and the byways and know that just at the mention of your name, just to have contact with the person, you've got our back and you will minister to people. And so we expect, we expect increase to come and people to come to know Jesus because we pray in Jesus' name. And we all said... Amen. Now, give me one more minute. Thank you. He's ready to get out of here. (laughs) Now, let me just give you a heads up. Because here's the challenging thing. Because again, as a church, we always say, I'm waiting for that day for church to look a certain way. And there's certain things that I'm looking for. There's certain things that I desire. But do you realize that if your church is always having an influx of new believers that are baby Christians 
they may not know the first thing about church. So they need to be taught. They need to be instructed. And so that just might mean that not only are you a prayer, but maybe you're the person that God needs to be a mentor. Maybe mentors to teenagers, mentors to little kids, mentors to husbands and wives. Amen? Because they need to grow. And too often times, that's what happens. People come into church, and I've seen it time and time again, where people, they come in contact with God, and they're so on fire, full of life and love, they even like me. But then if they don't get connected, plugged in, and grow spiritually, little by little, you see them start slipping and start slipping and start slipping. And they get Pulled and sucked back into the old life. And I can't, <laughs> it's always funny. It's not funny, it's kind of sad. I can't tell you how many times that's happened. And to where I'll look for them on Facebook. And where I once was friends with them on Facebook, they've unfriended me. Well, it's not that anything was said or, or done. It's just like, well... Just get that voice out of my life. I don't want to see that stuff on Facebook anymore or whatever. You know what I mean? And so we need to not only reach them, but bridge the gap to help them grow. And that's where us as the body of Christ come in place. So we've got work to do. Amen. All right. You can sound the music, strike the band, and let's... Let's get out of here. We'll see you Sunday. (laughs) Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites, which can be found at our website, gvchurch.tv. We know that today's message has been a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church. Loving God, loving people, and loving life.